listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today joining me for episode 232 of the show is my friend and co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keats, we are back. We are. Yeah, we had a bit of a break there. Had uh, some scheduling-ish there, but it's good to be back talking to you, man. Yeah. Head into the last week. Last week of the season. Three weeks since we last potted together. Um... So, yeah, definitely a lot to catch up on since then, but, you know, it's not worth really rehashing everything that's happened in those three weeks because uh, what really matters is what's directly in front of us, Um, but what's directly behind us uh, is what is most troubling. So this weekend was a complete disaster, um, as you and Shelly, or you and Bob talked about on the the pre-cap podcast, but... You know, after rattling off seven straight wins, five of which came in those magical yellow uniforms uh, that I'm actually kind of digging these days, I'm 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 not with Eck on this one. Uh, oddly enough, I'm, where do you stand on the yellow unis? Do you like those? Yellow shirts and white pants is is a weird mashup to me, but yeah. um, but I do like the yellow and baby blue. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I particularly like Xander in it. He looks good in anything, but uh, the man can can pull that off. Um, anyhow, so they win seven straight, then they lose three straight to the Yankees at home um, in just a disaster, absolute disaster of a series. Um, Keaton, I'm trying to figure out who to blame uh, for this and, and what the hell went wrong. Can you can you give me your assessment of uh, how this happened? Sure. Um, I think I'm with you on, you know, not sure where to put it. Like, I mean, Evaldi's implosion was so out of character. No strikeouts. He was so hittable. It was like he was tipping pitches. And I don't really know what you do with that. Seems like an anomaly. Feels like he's going to be better his next time out. Yeah. Uh, Not only because it's Baltimore, but whoever the opponent is. You'd have to think that's not going to continue. So that part's weird. Then there is this the stupid mental mistakes, right? Those have continued. Those haven't gone away. They haven't gotten, or they haven't been as bad as they were a few weeks ago, but they're still there and present. Uh, and then we got Joe West, who is just straight biffing a third strike <laughs> <laughs> that leads to three, four, four runs for the for the Yankees. I mean, yep. It's. I don't think there's there's one thing you can point to and be like the bullpen imploded all three days. That's the issue. It's because you've got guys like Whitlock and Taylor hurt, um, and Barnes a shell of himself. Um, it, every single game they found a new way to lose. Um, yeah. That I don't necessarily think you have an immediate answer for. I mean, the Joe West one you clearly don't. <laughs> right. So you're just gonna have to work with what you have. 
Yeah, honestly, the most livable loss was the the Eovaldi game because, you know, he just didn't have it. Like you said, he went out there, he had junk stuff, and uh, his splitter was super hittable all night long. He just didn't look like himself. Um, That's going to happen every once in a while. Even though Eovaldi's been a Yankee killer, I agree with you. It was those other games that were really frustrating. And, um, you know, our, our guy Matt Collins over at the site, he had some thoughts on the series and I think he summed it up well there was one specific thing that he pointed out um, that was really I think the thing that bothered me the most in the series and it was Xander, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez and Kyle Schwarber uh, going 9 for 41 in this series with a 220 batting average that's not going to fly that is the core of this this group you know that's the that's the guys that you need to perform on the big stage when the Yankees are in town at home um, in a series that you really need to at least win one game of. And, you know, if those guys can't get it going, you're not going to win games flat out. No. I mean, and that's been the blueprint on the Red Sox all season, right? Like the, the bottom of the order is such hit or miss that if you can neutralize those four in the middle – then it's going to be tough for everybody else to scrounge together four or five runs. Yeah. And the Yankees pitchers that they went up against here are all really good. Jordan Montgomery um, was the worst, and he had been on a streak of like 30 innings of a, like a 2.1 ERA or some something stupid like that. Uh, Nestor Cortez has been really good, and Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. Like Garrett Cole doesn't bother me, but like – no. Those four need to be able to hit against Jordan Montgomery and Nestor Cortez. Uh, yeah. I know that Cortez has pitched well, but you know this this guy is he's not he's not the type of of hitter that has your or pitcher that has your best four hitters, uh, you know, batting sub two thirty. Um, you know, you, you got to do some damage. So I blame I blame the offense, you know, in large part for this. I also blame Joe West, like you do. Um, well, I mean, but, it's also like if Dahlbuck makes the catch, then we don't even have to put the game in Joe West's hands. So it kind of yeah. goes back to those stupid mistakes. Yeah, Dahlbeck, is, as much as he's been better, is still not a good first baseman. Um, yeah, it's tough to see. Um, but those mental mistakes are the things that kill me. And it's like the thing that kills me about these mental mistakes is you're on a seven-game winning streak and you're at home – versus the Yankees with a chance to literally like put the nail in the coffin with the Yankees. If you if you swept that series, if it went the opposite way, they are essentially dead in the water. And you just couldn't do it. You couldn't even win a yeah. single game. I don't understand how the focus isn't there. Like, is that the players blame? Is that Cora's blame? Who gets blamed for the fact that they just didn't seem to have the mental focus? I mean the, the Yankees literally came in to Fenway and like held up the Red Sox over the toilet and gave them a swirly all weekend. Yeah. I, I think that's going to fall on Cora, right? I mean, he's the one that needs to set that attitude and get their heads on straight for the task at hand. And I mean, it has been better. There hasn't been as many of those mental mistakes. Like there was a couple weeks ago where they, what is it, they had like seven errors and between two games and, it was just an absolute disaster, but it's been better, but you still can't have drop pop-ups to extend the game that you end up swinging the tide and then you lose. So, yeah, I mean, and we saw one from Schwarber as well, too, right? Um, 
in the previous series. Right. Yeah, I mean, we got a question about this. Uh, we, I, th- I feel like we should just get to it now. Ryan L. Murphy said, you're Alex Cora. How do you get every player back in it mentally after that sweep? And and I, I think that's a really good question. Like, how does he get these guys back motivated to focus on the fact that, you know, you're playing six games on the road to close the season against two really bad teams right now in Baltimore and Washington. Washington's been really bad since they traded everybody except Juan Soto away. Um, how do you get them ready for that opportunity? And then, you know, on the flip side, like, is Cora just too soft on these guys? Is he too casual? Is he too low-key? Like, is he not rah-rah enough? Or does that stuff not work? Like, I got to think that if you pick your spots with that type of stuff, that it does work to some degree. I wonder, you know, is he taking the Yankees just as like another, just another baseball team too much? Well, first off, that's extremely disrespectful to Josh Bell, and I will not stand for that kind of slander. But <laughs> second of all, yeah, I I think he basically just needs to tell him to forget it, right? Like the opportunity that presented itself last weekend is gone. You biffed it. And so now you just have to hit the reset and look at the opportunity that's in front of you now. And the opportunity that's in front of you now is you have to beat these teams because they are bad teams. So you have right. to just start there. It was real shitty getting swept by the Yankees. Always is, no matter the circumstances. The circumstances that are in now, they're still in playoff position. And the Yankees in Toronto are going to cannibalize themselves. You've won 12 out of the last 13 games against Baltimore um, since that opening series sweep. So these are three games that you have to win, and you need to just focus on there. And really just maybe take it one series at a time. Like, get through the series, get the three wins against Baltimore, and then take a look at what you need to complete against Washington to secure a position in the playoffs and hopefully that, that top seed in the wild card. Bravo, Keaton. You just uh, Bill belichick me with we're on to Baltimore. We are. We're on to Baltimore. <laughs> I think but I think you have to do that, though, because there's no yeah. way that you can look at the series that just happened and have a good feeling about it. You have to forget it. I know. That's that's the thing in baseball is you have to you have to forget these things. But I do wonder, and I will openly question Cora about this in the future, like, is there not enough being put on these series when they're actually happening? You know, I totally get your point. Like, all you can do is move on and play the games that are in front of you on the schedule. You can't live in your losses against the Yankees, but, like, Maybe you should have spent some more bullets mentally on preparing your team for for that series. You know, then you wouldn't have to be riding or tying on the fact that you're playing Baltimore and Washington on the road at the end of the season. So I don't know. It's just it's very frustrating as a fan. If I'm going to take one positive away from it, Nick Pavetta and Eduardo Rodriguez pitched excellently. Yeah, and they're going to need both those guys to do that going forward. And Seeing those performances against this Yankees team and against that Yankees lineup has got to give you some confidence in them. That Pavetta curveball was working. Sure was. Yeah, that's a pretty pitch. All right, so let's get to the the nitty-gritty here. Uh, Here's how things stand for the Red Sox in the wildcard race right now. Red Sox uh, went from two games up in the first wildcard spot to one game back of the Yankees, and they are one game up on Toronto for the second wildcard spot. 
Uh, as you mentioned before, the Red Sox are very lucky that the Yankees and Blue Jays are playing each other for a three-game set starting today as you're listening to this podcast. Um, that series is in Toronto. Um, so Toronto is going to end the year with the Yankees and Baltimore both at home. The Yankees get Toronto on the road, and they close against Tampa Bay at home. And the Red Sox, as we mentioned, get those two road series against bad teams. So when you're looking at this, Keaton, uh, who has the easiest road into the playoffs? Is it really Boston here, or is it Toronto with the home games? Or, you know, who who has the easiest road? Oh, it's absolutely Boston. 100%. I, I mean, agree. Going... They've been a good road team, too. Yeah. I mean, the, the teams that they're playing, you know, Baltimore has, what, 40, 40 wins? And the Nationals only have 64. Uh, as you pointed out, they threw in the towel, traded everybody. They've got no, they've got nothing left. Like, the Red Sox are the only one who ha- are facing two below 500 teams in their last two series. Toronto gets Baltimore um, after the Yankees, and the Yankees get Tampa, who are out of it, but they're still – I mean, they're not going to be resting guys for an entire series. That would just And they be hate the Yankees. So they and they might. also hate the Yankees. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the Yankees have unquestionably the hardest road, and the fact that Toronto has to play New York, you know, I, I agree with you. It's definitely Boston who has the, the easiest schedule coming up here. Um, I was actually looking into the Red Sox against uh, all their opponents this year, and they've only – got a losing record against four opponents this year and I'm, I'm curious if you can guess who those four opponents are uh houston yep that one's a super losing record yep um, 286 winning percentage against yep yep um atlanta nope not atlanta nope we uh went three and one against atlanta Toronto? Nope. Tampa? Yep. That's probably all I'm going to get. Okay. So oh, wait. Yep. The White Sox? Yep. So they, they dropped three. Uh, they went three and four against the White Sox. Um, division leader or division winner at this point. Um, they went eight and 11 against Tampa Bay, also a division winner. So that makes sense. They went two and five against Houston, also a division winner. So that makes sense. Wait, the one I have a team... guess for the fourth now, I think. Is it Oakland? Nope. Oh, man. Same division, though. Texas. Texas oh, God. went three and four against the lowly Rangers this year. Like, Kiner Falefa killed us in some of those games. I just remember those games being like, why are we losing these? I don't understand. This team sucks. That hurts. Yeah. Um, kind of funny though, but every, everybody else they're, they're 500 or above against. And, um, you know, the reason why I was looking at this is because there is a possibility that the Red Sox, the Yankees and, uh, you know, Toronto all end up with a a tied record. And if that happens, uh, the Red Sox own the tiebreaker against both New York and Toronto because they have gone 10 and 9 against both those teams. So banking those wins early uh, in the season was pretty huge for the Red Sox. Yikes. That's a good thing they get bailed out. Yeah. Let's hope that doesn't uh, that doesn't happen though. But Yeah, I hope I hope we don't have to worry about it either, but you know, if we do, we got the tiebreaker. That's better than not having the tiebreaker. True. 
Um, so let's let's prognosticate a little bit here, Keaton. Who gets in uh, to the two wild card spots in the American League? Boston and Toronto. Okay, so you think Toronto takes care of New York at home? I do, and then they. I mean, it doesn't matter where they play Baltimore. There, I think. <laughs> I think I feel safe thinking that uh, Baltimore is about to lose their last six games. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I I think it's going to end up being Boston and Toronto as well. I think Boston still ends up getting the number one wild card spot here as long as they don't just seriously take a dump in these last few games. Um, Fangraph's odds do not agree with us, though. They say 87.1% for the Red Sox, 81% for the New York Yankees, and just 28.5% for Toronto. Um, That is kind of surprising to me, the 28.5% for Toronto. I am not a math guy, but that seems far too low considering they're playing New York at home um, and they're just two games back of New York. Yeah, but two games with only six remaining is a significant percentage. And if they like, if they go two and one and only gain a game and like if the Red Sox sweep, well, now they're still two back with three to play. Right. So I get the math gets starts to get pretty uphill, but it's just, it's what happens after that. Like then they win the next three against Baltimore and the Yankees have to play Tampa Bay. Yeah. Have to play Tampa Bay. Like it matters. And yeah. <laughs> and that could swing it. Yeah. It's going to be I, fun I want, last week. Yeah. It's going to be great last week. It's, it's what you want. Um, well, I mean, it's not what you want. What you want is to be Tampa Bay right now, but yeah, you know, it's uh it's what you want as a baseball fan, uh, just generally speaking. As a, as a Red Sox fan, we will continue to to chew on our nails uh, until this thing is over. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the ifs, if the Red Sox do end up making the playoffs. So as we know, Jose Iglesias is not eligible for the postseason, but he's been playing really good. Uh, looking at these last six games, how do you balance playing Arroyo to get him in shape and ready and his timing on and all that good stuff with Iglesias who who really has been the best option at second base like how do you balance that out with with uh six games to go that is a great question um I mean I think you got to get there first right so if Iglesias is the better option you got to play him and just bring Arroyo in um to get at bats like late in games but you know, then taking Iglesias' defense out of it, I mean, Royal. I mean, we've we've outlined several times that Arroyo's defense has been better than we thought. But it's yeah. yeah I think the entire focus should be on getting there, uh, even with the competition that they have and and that they're in the you know in the wild card spot right now. So I think you can't assume you're going to get there and have to. Um, you know, work Arroyo in where it doesn't make as much sense. You got to get there first. And then I think, you know, if that means that the bulk of Arroyo getting back in the swing of things is in the playoffs, then I'm fine with that because at least you got there. Yep, I completely agree with you. That was perfectly said, and I agree with everything that you just said. Got to worry about getting there first. Um, let's talk about the, the, the one-game playoff, though. Uh, if they do get there and they're playing Toronto or New York or whoever, um, who do you start in game one? Does it matter if you're playing Toronto or New York for you? No. 
Who are you starting? I mean, I think you got to go sale because it's an it's a it's you know it's a similar situation. Like uh, the way it's lining up, you may have Sale and Evaldi available to pitch that game, but again, you have to get the division series first. So I think you got to throw Sale, who's your best pitcher, and you know get to the division series. And if that means that Sale has to, they may have to like. I mean, short rest with him doesn't make any sense at all. But they may have to finagle their rotation once they get to the division series. But again, you got to get there first. So I, I think you got to go sale. And I think all that it'll all hinge on what happens on Sunday and if they need to win that game because uh, that's on the third is where he's slated to go. So if that's the case, if you need that game and you pitch Chris Sale, then it's Nathan Valdi. But it's nice to at least have the option of those two. I still, despite his most recent performance, still have a ton of confidence in Nathan Valdi. Yeah, I mean, I like Nathan Yavaldi. I think he's had a really nice season, um, you know, arguably the best season of his career to this point. But to me, it's Chris Sale, and it's not even close. This is yep. what you have Chris Sale for. This is uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball, probably going to be a Hall of Famer. 39 strikeouts to just eight walks since he's been back with a 257 ERA. Uh, that's your guy. That's your bulldog on the mound. Um, he is... He's going to go out there and throw uh, until his arm falls off, and, and it seems to be pretty well surgically attached right now, so hopefully that won't happen. Um, but I think that you keep Eovaldi in the chamber, and if like anything happens, if 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 Sale goes four or five innings, like you know, maybe you have to use Eovaldi for that game too, and and maybe you have to start the DS with with Eduardo Rodriguez or Nick Pavetta. You know, shit happens, but. Like you said, you got to pull out all of the stops to get there, and I think Chris Sale gives you the best chance of getting there. Yep, he sure does. Yep. Um, does it worry you at all that uh, Chris Sale is going to be facing two very powerful right-handed lineups? If if he ends up going against either New York or or uh, Toronto, even more so with Toronto. No. Nah, it's Chris freaking sale. Exactly. (laughs) Good. Um, Who replaces Iglesias on the roster? Um, Since he is not playoff eligible, do you replace him with a pitcher or do you go with a position guy to keep that four-man bench? Oh, man. Um, I mean, what's the bench looking at now? Ploiecki, Arroyo. Well, Royal would start for you at second base because he would allow you to keep. So Dahlbeck on the bench. Uh, Dahlbeck would be on the bench because you'd start Schwarber against righties, Dahlbeck against lefties, and potentially put Dahlbeck in late in games uh, if you're winning. So it'd be Ploiecki, Dahlbeck, um, and then Shaw would be the bench uh, with with Iglesias out in in Arroyo starting. Um, and that would allow you to keep Kike in center field. I think you bring Duran up and go with a four-man bench because I think you're going to need some of that speed. Dude, I'm surprised it took you that long to get to Duran. That's your guy. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because he's been gone. I knew that I was like, as I was running through in my head, I was like, I'm 100% missing someone. Who the hell am I missing? Yeah. Yeah. He's the obvious speed man for the playoffs. He's a yep. great base runner. 
You know, he's dangerous hitter. Um, you know, he give you a little bit of pop, give you some stolen bags late in the game. Uh, he's not a disaster defensively. That's I think that's the no-brainer. And I, if I'm Cora, I want a four-man bench for the playoffs. Yeah, me too. I, I want to be able to pull as many switches as I possibly can. Um, I'm sure they are probably a little disappointed in Duran's COVID stint and, and the not being vaccinated thing, but it seems like they've got a lot of guys like that. So, you know, I'm not sure if they'll really take that into account, but I got to think that, you know, that's the button you need to push. It's not like any of these relievers that are on the fringe are really going to blow you away at this point. Yep. I'm with you on that. So speaking of the relievers, um, you know, we've been running with the 28-man roster for a little while now here in September. Um, two of these guys aren't going to make it. And Taylor and Whitlock are on the IL. You know, hopefully Whitlock will be ready to go. But if he's not, I mean, who are those two uh, guys who are the odd men out of the bullpen for you? Um, well, it feels like Rosardo probably would be one of them. Um I want to say Austin Bryce, but I feel like they're going to keep him because he's a lefty. Austin Bryce? Oh, or, you um, mean uh, Austin Davis. Yeah, Mr. Fudge. Big Fudge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Austin Davis. I was like, Bryce, that's a blast from the past there. Yeah. Yeah. No, Austin Davis, I feel like because he's a lefty, he'll probably stay. Honest? Uh, no. I don't, I don't know. I the So, Darwinson would make sense to me because he just doesn't have the control, but... There are Stuff times where good. he's really good. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think there's probably a handful of guys that I, I would get it. Um, but where are you going on this? I mean, I agree with you, Bizarro. I think that makes sense unless he comes here in the last week and just totally shows out and blows people's doors off and looks like a surefire guy. Um, I think Martin Perez is an option. I'm not sure his game hasn't really translated all that well to, uh, to the bullpen. Uh, it hasn't certainly elevated the way that Garrett Richards has, but one other name that I'm thinking about, and especially if he looks horrible, uh, in this last week is Matt Barnes. You know, I, we, we got a question from, um, let's see, who was the question from, uh, VS says, is Matt Barnes now the closer? How many strikeouts will sale get on the last day? Um, so we'll, we'll answer the sale part later, but like, I'm not even sure Matt Barnes is in your playoff bullpen at this point. He has looked so bad at times. Like, you know, what if he comes out this last week and just craps the bed again and again and again and doesn't look like he has control? How can you keep him on a playoff roster? He's certainly not getting any high leverage innings at this point. No, he's not. But I think he's going to stay um, regardless, just because he was so good for so long. Um, I think a lot of time off between starts is good for him, or between um, appearances is good for him. Mm-hmm. And getting his confidence back against these, you know, like, I'd like to see him honestly every other day here. A couple oh, times. Keaton, no. No, don't do that to me, man. I can't handle that. I'm going to have a hard He has to have a little bit of this. confidence in himself going into this, going into the playoffs. 
Yeah, but you said it. We need to get there first. Is putting Matt Barnes in as many times as you want to conducive to getting there? Maybe. Depends on the situations. Jeez, man. Why don't you just go throw your life savings on black? <laughs> I usually Or do. red. I don't care. I'm a, I'm a 22 black guy. Okay. Okay. Uh, every time I've ever played roulette, I've lost. So, you know, I'm probably not the guy to talk to. <laughs> Strong. Yeah. But no, I mean... Yeah, I think he's going to be there because, but I mean, there's like, if that is the case, then like Adam Adovino has had like five weeks now of just being atrocious. Um, Perez probably doesn't fit if you've got um, Hauk and Whitlock there, so Perez would make sense. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But Perez, like, Perez and Bizarro are the most obvious. If you're going to axe Barnes, then you might as well also toss Hernandez and Ottavino out as well. No. And maybe, honestly, maybe you do. Maybe you, just, no. you don't use them. Those but. two have been much better. I think you could also make an... Uh, Ottavino's been pretty darn bad. Yeah, but when he's good, he's great. Sure, same with Barnes. He, he, but Barnes hasn't been good in a long time. Neither has Ottavino. I mean, Barnes Ottavino has, has been, been good better, longer, but... More recently than Matt Barnes. I'll tell you another name who has looked like a shell of himself lately. Hirokazu Sawamura. Any chance that man gets kicked to the curb? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think he'll probably roll with the horses that got him there. We forgot a name, but Garrett Richards. So it definitely doesn't make sense to keep Perez if you're going to have Hal Quitlock and Richards. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's, it's probably Bizarro and Perez... But watch out for this last week. I think there could still be some potential to get a little wild. All right, let's get to our last couple of listener questions, and then we'll get on out here and you know watch the last week of baseball. Um, VS says, "How many strikeouts will Sale get on the last day? His last day? If he's needed, um, and it's a must-win game, uh, twenty-three. Um, okay well that's a number that's definitely a number um, I thought you were going to go with 22 your uh, roulette number but you know, I know. yeah, I'm you missed an opportunity there yeah. um, I'm going to go with uh, 7 7 strikeouts um, next question comes from Ryan tomorrow and he says, does Nate still get the start if the Red Sox make the wild card? Uh, we do not think so. We think it's going to be Mr. Sale. And our next question from the big man also concerns uh, Mr. Nate Eovaldi. He says, is Eovaldi burnt? Are you at all worried that with his innings totals this year uh, being relatively high, especially for him, 176 uh, in a third so far, that he is burnt out? No. I'm not. Um, I think he's he's okay. I think Eovaldi is probably the most well-conditioned athlete on this team and uh, is definitely not burnt. I think he just had a bad day. Yeah, I mean, his previous four starts before that, he had five innings, eight strikeouts, five innings, nine strikeouts, seven innings, eight strikeouts, six and a third, nine strikeouts. Like... This, he didn't just hit a wall 
on September 24th, and that's who he's going to be going forward. Baseball's weird. It's just something that happened. Yep. Baseball's hard. Sure is. Yeah. All right. Well, um, next time I talk to you, Keaton, we're either going to be talking about a one-game playoff or we're going to be talking about the offseason. So let's hope we're talking about more baseball. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> All right, man. It's been a good good podcast here. Uh, appreciate getting back in the saddle. Um, check out our other shows as well. Keaton and Shelly uh, have the Red Sox Precap Podcast previewing and recapping every series we also have the red sox on deck podcast with uh, shelly and bob uh, talking about red sox prospects and then we also have the over the monster podcast with matt collins and brian joiner uh, giving you their take on the big club so thanks very much for joining us and we'll be with you again next week playoffs or not